On this week's episode of Friend Code, we're talking about Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of Friend Code. I'm your host, Michael Damiani. This week, I'm joined by two very special guests. Don Koopman and Stealth are joining me today to talk about, uh, I was about to say, I almost did it again, Breath of the Wild, Age of Calamity. <laughs> so we did, 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 we did an episode, or uh, a few episodes ago, about the Breath of the Wild quote-unquote trilogy, and I kept calling it Breath of the Wild, Age of Calamity. <laughs> but it is Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity. But for, uh, how, are the, how are the two of you doing? How are you holding up with everything? Um, and in stealth, uh, did you have a good Thanksgiving or anything like that? Uh, my Thanksgiving was pretty uneventful. Uh, ate myself into a food coma yesterday. I think I went to sleep earlier than I have in like five years, but I've uh, been playing a lot of Hyrule Warriors and excited to talk about it. Nice. How you doing, Don? It's been, uh, yeah, the last couple of weeks have been uh, weird. This country has been back into lockdown because of reasons around the world uh but for the rest it's been fine just uh, holding up just playing games and staying inside as a good boy <laughs> yeah uh i'm at that point again where it's been i don't know how many months since uh the, the haircut you know that's why i'm wearing the hat and stuff but like the hair is like a mess and things without things are right now it's just like we'll not risk going to get a haircut i'm just like uh, how many more months is it going to be before I got to let my hair grow out? And then I got a notification saying I can't renew my driver's license online this time. I have to go in person. Uh, and it's due in a few months. And I was like, Oh no. I was like, one, I like, I'm no way I'm going to like the, 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 the facility called the DMV here. Uh, I was like, I'm no way I'm going to a facility with other people to do this. And like, they need another photo. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to be perfect. I'm going to look real good for that photo after like eight months of this being in lockdown. I was like, ah, perfect timing for that. That's, that's real great. Problems but, upon problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> things, yeah. I mean, things could be worse. I know first world. That's, problems. that's true. That's true. For sure. Um, but we are here to talk about the recent release of uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity uh, just dropped. Um, we have all been playing it to varying degrees, I believe. I, I have finished the game. I did a, a full playthrough uh, on, on live stream for Easy Allies, uh, but I'm not 100% at it yet. I had to move on to another thing. I'm actually reviewing Immortals Phoenix Rising. Uh, fin uh, finally able to talk about that. So I had to switch over immediately to start playing that. Um, just give everyone an update kind of where you are in the game before we start jumping in just so we uh we know about that i 100 percent completed the game of course you did can you give me a time on how long that took because i'm at like what 30 something hours where I, I played a little bit of extra stuff but around i was like around 60 oh boy i got more than double i got double the time okay uh yeah how about, yeah how about you stealth I am just at the start of chapter five, and I'm the only one on this panel who have not who has not finished the game. Uh, that's fine. Take your time and enjoy it. I, I do feel uh, maybe playing it in like a marathon session. I just didn't want any spoilers, but truth be told, in the end, is there was nice to see some twists and surprises. Uh, we'll get into it in a little bit about like the importance of this game, like how much impact it really has on 
the the main game or even a potentially the sequel which it's like mm, no uh but at the same time i wonder if that impacted my thoughts about the home stretch of the game because i started to feel like things started to get a little bit repetitive um but maybe we could start there with how much the the, the two of you played to varying degrees we've all played uh yeah your initial like your impressions of hyrule warriors uh age of calamity did you are you enjoying it still did you enjoy playing through 100 percent dawn um and, you know, what did you like the most and what are some, some things you think maybe they didn't do so well? All right. Um, yes, I really enjoyed the game. I didn't have the problems where I waned by the end. I just enjoyed it all the way through. And that's mostly due to two reasons. I thought that the story, uh, while the, it went off the beaten path, but we'll get into that in a little bit. I thought that was really interesting what they were doing with it. And secondly, all the characters. I don't think I've played a Warriors game before, and I played a lot of them, where all of the characters play so unique, or at least have a unique style to them. Uh, because if you look back to the previous Nintendo Warriors games, Fire Emblem Warriors in particular had this really bad issue where they copied characters in the fa- in the Fates lineup, where the, the younger siblings and the older siblings were very close to one another. Here, every character feels unique. It does something different. It adds to the table. Even the characters that on paper should feel samey are totally not they're completely taking different angle with them and i think honestly from from the beginning to end that's what kept me going the the scale of the characters and what they're doing for because said r has this original attack uh y and x the 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 easy and the hard combos um all have their different styles to them which is very interesting to see and even the way that they use the ruins is different per character yeah, that's very true. Uh, stealth, through how much you've played, do you, do you agree with that sentiment about the, the character variety and their play styles? Yeah, and um, it's kind of a double-edged sword for me. While every character is unique, I found I don't like playing as a lot of the characters. Some mm. of them are a lot harder to play than others, and so I kind of avoid those characters without getting into specifics. But, you know, there's easier ones, and then there's definitely just harder ones um but yeah overall i'm i i'm I'm really liking the game so far you know the story i haven't really had any twists and turns so far so far the story is very similar to the memories in breath of the wild which is fine um i would would point out before you move on and we're not spoiling anything you're getting there (laughs) (laughs) yeah what i found addicting though is like unlocking upgrades for all the characters on the map um you know i really like to read the blurbs and then you know the blurb when you finish the mission even though you don't really have to do anything so much um you know i i the game does a good job of like each chapter steadily getting you stronger um so yeah i mean I'm, i'm loving the game so far Oh, Stealth, you mentioned some characters uh, because yeah. of the diversity of their play styles. You're finding yourself not playing some of them. Uh, yeah. To chime in on that, I think I felt that a little bit with uh, with Zelda. Uh, how her whatever rune you use on her light attack, and then you, that's what you follow up with the strong attack. So like whatever rune you switch to, you switch that to become like the, the strong attack. I felt, her, I felt really challenged to do... Yeah a lot of damage as her at first because I was trying to play her like X, 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 X. I was like, oh, why at the yeah. end? And it's like, no, it, it's a much different style. So I, I did feel that with that. And I also want to add that I felt that the same thing I felt every other Musou game I've played, when you favor, it, it, it seems to 
for me, I, I favor a single character and they become super overpowered because I spend so much time and it was Link. Link, I spent put so much into Link that playing as him in any mission uh, up to like maybe the final chapter missions, uh, there was really no pushback when I played as Link. In fact, so, uh, I enjoyed playing as other characters when it forced me to play as other characters. Right. Yeah. Here's the funny part. From chapter three, Link stop. After chapter three, Link starts stops being uh, mandatory, and I think I completely dropped Link after that. Yeah, for, for me, the, yeah, for 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 me, the character that was tough. It, it's been Daruk because he doesn't dodge quickly. So when you're fighting someone who's fast and you want to get your counter, it's 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 very hard. And then Rivali. Um, who has a very short combo on the ground and his air combo, I haven't found all, all that great. So the, 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 those two characters in particular have, have given me trouble. And yeah, I mean, once, I mean, it's not really a spoiler, but yeah, Link gets the Master Sword. Everybody knows it. it it's like 30 years every, every time. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, once he gets the Master Sword, like you feel like he's over, you just gravitate. Like I've, gra I've been gravitating toward him more now that he has it just because it's so cool to, see like the effects of it the reason why i dropped link after chapter three is that if you want to upgrade his weapons with more abilities the rupee con becomes increasingly high um and i didn't think it was worth it in the end while other characters with similar abilities and maybe higher attack power later on are more worth it in the end yeah that's a so that's the thing uh, I maybe want to get into a little bit besides this, the, the play style of characters. I do want to say that actually I, I kind of liked playing as Daruk. <laughs> um, yeah, same here. I, I, I felt like there were some things in here that made me think of a, like a 3D Sonic the Hedgehog and how Daruk moves when it's his run animation just rolling yeah. and then he pushed the heavy attack and he just bounce attacks. <laughs> I was like, oh man, uh, uh, they secretly made a, a Sonic game right here. I won't spoil the character, but in the, uh, in the, in the, once you've completed the game, obviously more challenges open up, uh, challenging types of fights. And there was one I did where I could not play as the characters I favored. If I had to use characters I was not as familiar yeah. with. And it was a brand new character I went with at the time. I, a brand new character I didn't, uh, that was just made available recently. And I made myself learn how to play as that character. Uh, and it was fun. I, I actually liked that. And they, I found out their play style was, it convinced me how unique each play style was because of learning the nuances of their yes. moveset. I really liked that. So if you do give it a chance, I think once you understand a character and you put enough time into it, I think they did design all of them pretty well, actually. Yeah. Yeah, you actually just need to, it comes down to learning them. And while I agree with stuff that some are harder to learn than others, I don't think anyone is particularly bad. I think for volley of all of them, to be fair, is the weakest. Uh, because yeah. because um, until you get all of his upgrades, which is way later on in the game, his combos are kind of weak. Um, especially since you have with Rivali, you have to press that R to go in the up in the air, and then you can do the aerial moves, which feels like a weird separation that they never should really should have done. Uh, because there are other characters in the game who move up in the air automatically and can do their combos in, like immediately in the air. So it feels like the weirdest separation for the flying character yeah. to have a dedicated button to fly up into the air. Yeah. yeah, but it is cool that there is a flying character at all. It's just, yeah, he's he's definitely harder. I think it was worth like worth trying. I think it's how I, I see it. Maybe a little bit similar to to bring up an, a completely unrelated game, uh, Devil May Cry Five with V. V's play style, like a ranged character in a Devil May Cry game. Sure. 
it was something they tried to do and i think they did the best of what they can do may who knows if they have any like future updates planned for this game we'll maybe get to that question a little bit later but perhaps <laughs> they they do some refinements to all these moveset my issue with him wasn't necessarily his place i thought it was cool that he could fly and do all these like aerial combos like ah, i guess like cheese everything but time becomes a factor uh i will not get super into it there is a character very late in the game that can fly as well we're not going to get into it but uh that character doesn't have that same problem so that's why yeah. it makes Revali's problem so really weird yeah it's interesting and as i just was trying to say as well i for whatever reason the luck of the draw with the stuff materials and stuff i was given it was the hardest to upgrade Revali for me uh, to get Rivali a, a really decent weapon as well. So it was a combination of his Rivali's moveset and then his weapon uh, not being able to have like the, the attributes. And maybe that's a good segue I, into yeah. the characters because the character moveset is just one part of the equation. Uh, with lots of Muso games, there's, there's your character level and then their gear. And there's this whole complicated system of upgrading your gear and being able to customize your gear's attributes uh, every every so many levels, like the first level, you can uh, slot in a, a, a secondary attribute. On level five, you can do another one, and I believe level fifteen is the the third one. It skips. It, it's ten or fifteen. I forget. You get a third 15, one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you can choose to stack them. Like if you pick all the same shape, those attributes will actually amplify. So if you pick all like diamond shaped ones, there isn't diamond in this, but like hexagon ones or circle ones, they get like an added stat bonus. So you can get like for every hundred kills, you get like a seven percent increase in damage or plus seven increase in damage. And if you add multiple of those, they stack and they do a bonus. Sorry to explain that for everyone just so you can follow there, but my question is to both of you, did this, does this system, is it easy to grasp for you? Do you think maybe it's a little intimidating? Yes. So here's the thing. With other Muso games, particularly with the other Nintendo ones, uh, they tried to create a separation between the weapons and your abilities because your abilities were tied to constant material upgrades and you wouldn't be allowed to do it any other way. What they've done here is separate them a little bit, but only in certain directions. So if the weapons, like like the upgrades or effects from from that you need during battle are now tied to weapon instead of a bunch of upgrades in a big long list. Um, and the rest, like the basics, like hearts, uh, new combos, um, everything else that you need or upgrades to the special abilities, those come with the pointers on the map. Uh, and I think that's a way better system than what they've done before. And a lot of Musa games use that same system where um, all the upgrades are that gigantic list and then hoping that you get something good with your weapons because the weapons only matter in the number department. Here it feels that they find a balance that works a lot better. How about you, Stealth? Uh, specifically the, the, the weapon system... Um... Are you finding it to your liking? Um, anything maybe you wish they'd done a little differently with this? Yeah, I mean, I think it was more of a problem with myself really understanding it only after like chapter two or three and wishing I can go back and redo things that I had that I had already done. But um, in terms of ease of use, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty simple system. Uh, it's, it's easy enough to sell your weapons when you don't need them as well for, for money. Um, which also comes in handy. Um, and yeah, and then just upgrading the weapon you go with. Uh, and I don't find myself really changing weapons at all. Like I know Link mm. can use uh, two-handed swords and spears. I never use them. Um, and then each character only has 
uh, one other kind of primary weapon, um, but they, there's different right. styles of it. But um, that 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 part's very simple. Maybe that's a weird hard take. I think the two-handed link weapons are the best ones in the game for Link. <laughs> like I I prefer it heavily yeah. over the Master Sword. <laughs> and they probably are, but I just use the Master Sword because it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of direct, different directions you can go with these as well. I think like the, the the thing that grasped for me was looking at the base raw damage at level one, like which had the most for me. So like if a two-handed weapon started at a high level of damage and I got like the RNG on it was like nice because I can think they come at different values. It's not all sure. set. And then I want to make that like my damage weapon because that's gonna like even I ended up making my the master sword like a uh, I, I upgraded to have a lot of like a perfect dodge window and flurry uh, ability on it I believe mm -hmm. so it was just like a, a powerhouse for that where I did take uh, a certain weapon later on for like a two handed one and added it with uh, I made one with a. Uh, attack range and speed so it was like a slow up and by sped it up and gave it even yeah. longer a bigger range so it was just devastating for crowd control and then i made like a, another big two-handed type sword i put a ton of like after x amount of ko's you power it up and i stacked those so after which, a few hundred kills i was like unstoppable yeah. which is very important actually because um for people who don't know, the set R ability with a two-handed weapon is that you do a very powerful move right there and then. It will drain a bit of your health bar. But it's so critically important, for example, when you take on a boss, that you can do that additional damage and take on that, that basically that challenge to not deplete your health too much. And I think the balance there is just super nice. Yeah. So there is I, I mean I do like that they give you other options because for people who want to grind, the, some of those secondary attributes are more drop more material drops basically and those materials are needed to one either unlock a uh, latent attributes or new combo strings for each of your characters yeah. on the world map uh once you have those qualifying materials else I, I love how they they pulse for you to let you know they're available to upgrade uh, it's a really nice colors coded system yeah. they got there uh, but also to unlock other things on the map whether it's a, a boost to like a discount on cost of everything in that area or unlocking a new so there's something new on the map there and i kind of want to ask you too about that not just like how the system works for upgrading because i think you you kind of touched upon it a little bit but all the all these systems we're talking about especially the things on the map i think they did a pretty admirable to pretty good job of dressing it up so it feels and looks like breath of the wild even though it's yes. still very much a yeah. muso game do you uh, how do you feel about that so um once again it's it's the the difference between the list and the world map right with the with the list you just have to go on an assumption that you have to write materials and if not you have to look it up on a gigantic list on the internet uh the good thing about uh age of calamity is that once you get the right upgrades you can um censor it so you can find the exact locations on the map where you need to go and then go for those specific materials not always the guarantee that you will get them but at least you know where to go and where to handle it which is more of a pinpoint approach to the whole warriors gameplay because it felt like such a drag and i can talk about the problems that some of the other muso games had for ages but the drag of finding that list, finding the materials you need, and not having an indication of where they are can be really frustrating by the end if you want to do the last couple things. Here it flowed very naturally, and it just went over from one, from one point to the next. 
Yeah, I also really like the uh, map system, but as you progress in the chapters, more and more stuff like appears on the map and you can't really remember where everything is. So then you have the list option. Um, and I've been using the list option more and more for that, which is just great for being able to quickly either go to your quests or your, or your upgrades or whatever really you need. Um, and yeah, and, and the sensor makes it super simple, N not as simple as maybe I'd like, because, um, well, you, you can also censor the store as well. So if there's an item in the store, it'll show you where that is. Um, but, you know, it, it could be painful to determine, okay, which mission is the shortest and which one will maybe get me the item I'm looking for, because it's not always a guarantee that you're going to get the item just because you went to the mission. You hope so, um, but it's not a guarantee uh, for, for, for some. So, so that becomes a balance of which mission is, is shorter so I can get through it quickly. Yeah, I, I'm really glad they gave all those options. They, uh, you could, I mean, going through the list definitely helped towards the end when there's a ton of stuff on the map and it's just hard to keep track of everything. It, it's, I think they were very thoughtful in that yeah. regard. Uh, you know, one, I think it might have been, I forget who, which of you mentioned at the beginning uh, about the story. They, they did give you little text blurbs. At, I think it might have been you, yeah. Stealth, at the beginning. Yeah. Before you actually complete it, it gives you like the setup. And then when you complete it, it gives you like the resolution. Uh, yeah, so you're enjoying that. Um, do you, is that satisfactory enough to you? Or do you maybe wish they had gone a little bit further and made some of those maybe a little bit more involved in like, yeah, how do you, how do you, how do you feel about those? I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm fine with it because there's other quests and missions to go on. Um, those are just kind of little fun stories and, and, and things like that. I, I, I did, I don't, I don't need everything to be a mission. Otherwise the game would be much, much longer. Um, so I was fine with that. I didn't, I didn't feel like I was missing anything. <laughs> nice. Um, were they good for you, Dan? Uh, sorry, Don. Uh, did, uh, did you want anything more out of them or did you think they were good as they were? Uh, no, I think they provided nice flavor text, but there's also, there were flavor text in the missions themselves if there were specific characters in there and they interacted with one another, even when you uh, chose specific character. And I thought that was really neat. Um, like, it, not everybody's going to see it because they're just going to mostly maybe focus on a couple of characters to going through those simpler missions. Um, but if you go in with, with a specific character and there is a character interaction there, the, the text might even be a little bit different. I don't think I picked up on that. That's kind of cool that you pointed that out. Now, the, the rest that I have remaining, I'll have to pay attention to that probably. It even, it even happens in the main mission. So if, if, if people are still going for the main missions again, because there's a reason to, um, you should definitely try playing it with different characters because they will react. For example, there's, there's a point where there's a little bit of contempt between two characters and the way they say when you switch to those is very different from the rest of the game. And it's super funny. Oh. Huh. Dang. I will need to pay attention for that when I, when I jump back into this. Huh. <laughs> Yeah, they, they, I mean, that just uh, contribute. Uh, this further em emphasizes that they, I think, they did a really great job of the uh, making it pass like the visual test of this feels like a game set in the Breath of Wild universe. Like, it, other than like the actual moment to moment gameplay, everything else about this feels like oh, this is a breath. This is Breath of the Wild or another Breath of the Wild game. It's meant to be a quote unquote prequel. And I think they did a really good job at that. Yeah, but it also has more options gameplay-wise than a regular Warriors game. Because once again, 
uh, the the Y and X moves expand over time like significantly. Uh, the special attacks, the special abilities uh, expand over time, and even once again, the four the four uh, slate abilities. Every character reacts differently to it, and I think that's so much fun about it. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I it was funny because some of the Link's earlier combos felt very similar to the original Hyrule Warriors. In fact, there was like a the one like X the four X move and then Y. So it's like he does four slashes, and then when he hit Y, he does like the spin attacks to go up. Yeah, it uh, launches them up, and then you can do like the aerial combo and then like the smash down. I was like, yeah, that was. I remember doing that a lot in the original Hyrule Warriors. It might not be one-to-one the same, but it was similar style to that. But sure. further you got along, I was like, oh, wait, these this feels different. There's a lot of variety here. Uh, when you start getting combos, I have like up to eight. <laughs> I, I, don't mind, <laughs> I, I don't mind mentioning one, and I'm only going to mention one. Um, um, one of Impa's later combos, when you really expand her over time, she if you have the bunch of her clones, they will all hop on a frog and yep. try to annihilate the entire field. <laughs> it's so funny. The it's first time I so saw that, I was good. Like, oh man, this is so good. Uh, yeah, just wonderful animations they 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 came up with for their 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 attack combos and stuff like that. Really impressive stuff. But right. the, the besides like how like the combat, I want to ask you about the kind of the environments, the the mission designs and the act and the objectives that you're asked to tackle. Uh, how how are you feeling about? You know, were they were were they satisfying you? Because obviously, yes. Yeah, in terms of like uh, looking for uh, stuff like Zelda elements and Muso elements, like how, mm. how did they fare that way? I think they really adapted well to a Muso environment where they made the pass a bit more open and wider. Uh, at the same time, you still get the feeling you are in the world of Breath of the Wild. Like uh, the Nero Lake is a good example of that, and like a very good early example of how they build that entire map and that surrounding area to ensure that it's like that provides the fun of Muso gameplay, but also gives you a look what the environment was like 100 years ago before the events of Breath of the Wild. And I think that's honestly like the coolest thing about it. Seeing these environments, you definitely see some very later on in the game, and we're not going to get into those um, that you see still fully intact and the stark contrast between those and the breath of the wild version is sometimes as light as day but i think the way they set them up and the way they present themselves is nothing short of really awesome to look at yeah and and touching on the missions um i think they're pretty varied you know you have your standard kill 100 enemies missions you have the protect missions and you have the um you know kind of hold down the fort missions for a certain amount of time. Um, and what I found also enjoyable is there's some missions where you think you know the whole map, and then once you hit a certain spot, the map gets bigger. And you're like, oh, wow, there's a lot more to this map than I thought and a lot more to this mission than I thought. So the, the, those elements are, are cool when, when they pop up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I, I really like that stuff. Good points made by both of you. Uh, yeah, there's a certain key area uh, that from Breath of the Wild where all the parts of it are still there, but they clearly added way more to it. And I was like, I was like, wait, was this originally in this? So it's nice to see more to these areas. I I, I don't know if you know, don't know if they were intending that to be like we because we, we need to make a bigger map so to right. it or what, I mean, whatnot. But it was, it's still interesting yeah. to see that stuff. All, all the building locations are accurate. Like everything mm-hmm. that was there, ruins wise, is in place. It's just uh, the pathing is way wider than it was in Breath of the Wild. Not that I mind it, because once again, it needs to complement the gameplay. 
Yeah. The like they even had things where using like the, the 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 glider, like you could blow up a boulder and a gust of wind, and you could ride up the glider to go up to a higher level or jump down and like you know I guess you're gonna use it all the time, like to jump, like you just jump down. But they even had like moblin encampments that uh, were just there and weren't part of the objective. Those wooden structures, you like run up the stairs and oh look, there's that purple like demon chest there, and if you kill all the bokoblins right there, it's a bonus chest. Like they were, I think they were doing such a great job of like even. The, the small details from Breath of the Wild that they got right in here just to like add flavor to make it feel like yeah. you're really in there. And then seeing past, seeing the world in the past, like these structures right. are no longer ruins. They're back to normal. Was really to, be, cool. to be fair though, it's very funny how easily the, the skull uh, keeps crumbling down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The bomb. Exactly. <laughs> and one thing I wanted to mention, it's so much easier to find Korok seeds now. It, like yeah, true it's like yeah. the, the stress because i remember like i got all of them in breath of the wild and i literally climbed almost every single mountain in that game because well, my, it, my first question to that uh to that um, statement is why yeah I, I don't know why i just did um but yeah like so like when they announced that there were core exes in this game like there was sweat that was coming down and i was mm. like but because it's a muso there's no climbing there's no like er, like all of them are on the ground level basically you just kind of have to identify the difference in the map on on the ground level um which makes it so it makes it so much easier and then eventually um you get something where you can see how many you're missing in each map which also makes right. it way easier love, love that uh, yeah. I know it's obvious because it's a Musa game it's not going to play Breath of the Wild but was there any point that you got kind of annoyed or just thought to yourself I wish I could just climb this like why can't I just climb this? <laughs> not really because there, there are just walls that are just combined with the glider so there's nothing particularly missing in that sense uh, and the way they set up the levels also really doesn't invite me to go climbing somewhere I wish I could swim some, sometimes in a few of the camps but yeah. climbing, not so much. I haven't missed climbing, but there is annoying control stuff where you're dashing and you hit and you hit something that the game perceives as a wall, and then and then you wall and then you wall jump oh, when you yeah. when, when you don't really want to. That drives me crazy. I've had a handful of times in close quarters or camera. Yeah. The camera sometimes against that. Yeah, uh, that 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 that's been there in past games as well the the the, the camera work and stuff like that uh in terms of but back to like the mission objectives did there's any you found particularly like dissatisfactory or annoying because the the ones where you had to kill a specific amount of enemies and there were like just barely enough enemies to meet that threshold or yeah. like the respawn rate was really slow in those levels so you have to like really be thorough those are my least favorite they were usually specific like a new they were specific to a new character and clean it was i didn't feel like i was really getting to learn how to use that character so much as like this is this is, i don't like this and some of the escort ones weren't really my favorite either but i didn't know if you felt the same way or if there's a different type of mission that i um, my least favorite missions are the the challenges where you can't you can't be hit once <laughs> yeah. so there 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 are six of those in totals on the, in the on the complete map um and the last one is brutal oh no holy snap there's a lino in there man uh-oh i've only done three of them and i've gotten by I've by done che- two. I've, i i cheese the heck out of them uh, like the, I, I the, those, the, the, those felt like it went on forever. <laughs> Oof! 
Oof. I couldn't deal with them by the end. It was like when I locked like the fifth one, and the sixth one came out. I said, "Dang it, <laughs> no, stop." Yeah, the- the, the the escort missions are only annoying because like even if there's like one enemy they won't move so you have to literally clear everything around and yeah. that annoying if you want to go ahead and they're just sitting back there with one enemy yeah there was one escort mission where you have to protect somebody the entire way against monsters and then by the end he turns into you to you get clan member and you have to fight him in an entire mob of you get clan members that was the most annoying mission of those yeah, the, I had the same thing as you had stealth. There was one where I discord Azora, and uh, I was like, "Why is it not following me?" I, I, I kept think, doing stuff, and then for because of a combination of draw distance, for whatever reason, I had to be really close, or this enemy didn't for whatever reason wasn't showing up unless I was like right next to them. And all of a sudden, the enemy was there, even though I checked twice before. I was like, "There's no enemy around this. Why are they not moving? Is this like a bug or something?" And then finally, the enemy showed up. I was like, "Man, I." wish they would just like keep moving or something or if you made a certain a certain threshold of enemies were cleared out in that immediate area it's time to progress but yeah i had that frustration at least once there yeah um, there is one other mission type that i had problems with which were the divine beast missions oh yeah i was gonna get to those i wanted to ask about how you felt about the divine beast missions yeah so uh what was your issue? Uh, they are for me the weakest part of this entire game like like straight up yeah like, like I, 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 there is even an option when you return to the main missions that you can skip them. Uh, yeah, like I noticed, there's a, something when you beat the game. There's a way to replay older missions, and a, and a certain new condition is added uh, about them um, to make them harder, basically. And it, it says, "Do you just want to go to?" And the ones that had that, do you just want to play the Divine Beast part? Do you want to skip that part and go to the normal battles? Like. Huh, I wonder if they were like, people are not going to be happy. It's almost like a, the Final Fantasy VII remake, the part the two, the two part with the bike chases. You could skip those on your replay on harder difficulties. Like, people don't, they were cool the first time, like for the novelty, but we get it's a novelty. And I think that's, to me, what the Divine Beast were. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, yeah. Um, I forget his name, the, the Flying Divine Beast. Uh... Uh, yeah, uh, Flying Divine Beast. It's Von Meadow, right? Uh, Von Meadow, yeah, Von Fa- Meadow. Fa- Von Meadow was yeah. the most fun one because you had more freedom to control your direct surroundings. Yes, and the rest find I found more being on rails for the most part, or being in a very close quarter environment. Yeah. There, there is something viscerally enjoyable about just destroying a bunch of enemies and even like destroying the environment a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously you don't really get anything like you don't even get experience doing it. You, you get items doing it. I think you get items, but I'm not even sure about that. Um, you even get upgrades for the divine beasts. <laughs> yeah, you do. Um, and it is like, there's some enjoyment. Like it's not, it doesn't detract. It's like a neutral for me. Like those missions, like I, I don't hate doing them, but also I'm like, Oh, like, yay. Divine beast missions. Like, you know, while I'm in them, they're fine. But then I don't think about them again. They're not it, that exciting is the problem. Yeah. Um, I agree with you, Don. Vomedo for me, was the most interesting. It felt sort of like open, uh, open all range mode Star Fox. Tiny yeah. bit. Tiny bit. Uh, and like switching between the cannon camera angles was kind of nice, like above or below uh, to, to better access your target. So I, and the free movement. I, I enjoyed those the most. Um, but yeah, the other three were just felt like corridors there's some that are open but like the open fields really 
highlighted their problems uh, with their control. Yeah, movements. but even if it's yeah. an open field, you would defeat a bunch of enemies. You would go to the other side of the field. Oh, the enemies are back on the yeah, other side it, of the field. Please go back here. <laughs> yeah, the, the movements are so cumbersome that the, the, there's not like the their attacks. Some of their attacks are just like a lot of the, the rushing one on was it on von N- N- boris the the camel one was the the like kind of nice to like just like run through everything but the yeah. the other two was just like oh here's my trunk to break something or let me do like a side stomp <laughs> it was like so slow it was nice to break structures on like the first missions but other than that yeah they they it was two it was twofold problem yeah. that the the mission of the the environments themselves weren't that interesting they don't and they don't play very well uh the the controls aren't the greatest for them but also they look the worst visually those the the, like everything's so tiny and zoomed out it it looked really bad yeah and and then then they don't appear often so i think they kind of knew like people wouldn't want to do it like you have like the story missions where you use them and then you have a few at least where i'm at a few of the side missions with them but like it's very rare where one of those pops up yeah. yeah, there are some by the end, but even then, I don't think necessarily they were fun. For example, there was one where you have to destroy, instead of enemies, you had to destroy a bunch of keeps on the, on that smaller map. And that was so painful to do because you constantly had to aim your attack so precisely. And sometimes it doesn't even work in one try. That it becomes so annoying to do. Yeah, again, there, obviously I agree they had problems. I think they were, I don't think they went overboard with them which was smart and they're, they're a novelty I, I think they're just there to be you know let's have something a little different and try it out it's cool to see how the divine beast powers were at least you know what what would they do when they fight other than just like fire a giant laser beam so it's kind of cool to see some of their other abilities in action sure. but yeah I, I agree with about what you both said but that does get me to another point i want to talk about because i was talking about like the visual fidelity of those parts just the overall game's performance. Uh, did you have any ish, take any issue with the the game's performance uh, it, for being a video game? I, I mean, yes and no. I mean, it is noticeable that it doesn't run fully smooth. But when I was playing it, I don't necessarily think I had a real big issue with it. It's only when I really stopped and think about it that I might have an issue with it or two. Or thought maybe this could have been a little bit more smoothed out. But in general, when I was playing it, I didn't really think about it. Hmm. What about you, Stealth? I haven't really been thinking about it either. Like, there have been one or two instances where I've noticed, like, significant slowdown where there's a lot of enemies on screen, and I and I pop, you know, the special move. Um, and, you know, everything just really slows down. But, like, have I died because of that? No. So, like, the, the issues from the demo. I know a lot of people were having issues from the demo, um, and and, and, I, and yeah, I mean, it's clear like it doesn't run at a constant frame rate all the time. Um, but does it has it affected my enjoyment? No. I, I do wish it had like the viable f- like um, frame rate and graphics options from Fire and Warriors though, mm. because that was really smart. Like um, the original High Warriors Definitive Edition uh, was locked at thirty. Um, and they, they kind of gave you options with Fire Emblem Warriors. Like, if we will prefer 60 frames per second, or you prefer like the visual fidelity of those levels. Um, and they didn't really give you an option here. So it might have seemed that they bid on too much that they could chew. Um, at the same time, like, it's not been an active problem that it stops me from enjoying the game. Hmm. 
Uh, yeah, it was mostly during specials. There are certain levels. Uh, the, the, the last level. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I, I'll say this. There was a, a one or two times near the end in some of the later missions where my input was actually being affected by the frame rate. I yes. was noticing that uh, uh, I'm hitting something, it's coming out later. Um, but that, 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 that was only near the end, and it was not like a very small portion of the game, but it was critical moments. Also, uh, uh, an area in the game that also originally had severe frame rates in Breath of the Wild suffers from the same thing at the same point in this game during another crucial part as well. And I was like, it was a combination of really terrible frame rate and really poor camera work uh, for an intense fight. And I just said to myself, man, twice they did this. So maybe I, I feel like a little bit different than Tuvia. I noticed it a lot more for my playthrough. I, I, like, will, I, will say, I will say the worst bit of camera work was there's a side mission where you fight in total a collection of five Lynels in a span of like 15 minutes. Hmm. Um, and if you, in the final room, there are three of them. And if you don't defeat the other two in the other two keeps, they will come above you and join the room. So at one point, I had a room full of four Lynels while in a very small room. Nice. That's perfect. That's going to elevate you. You're going to become a master of dodging and perfect dodge yeah. there. There, there. I had there's... a lot of flurry rushes during those moments, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was one mission where somehow I got a Lionel on a stairwell. And <laughs> yeah. like, it was literally one stairwell. And you couldn't go left or right without the camera kind of going and just freaking out. And th 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 that was rough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, just always small problems like that. As you mentioned, four supers. Like, uh, anytime uh, – uh, I wanted to say Naburu, but uh, no, uh, Urbosa – uh, her the, the when she finished her special at the snap part, every like there were multiple times when she snapped, my system would the game would freeze for a split second, and I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> I mean, it was perfectly timed. I thought it was like on purpose, but like every the action would freeze for a second. I was like, mm, okay, it get really framey during those two. So certain moves definitely did that. Divine Beast parts had a few things like uh, dash, uh, yeah, dashing with a uh, Vanaboris. Uh, Every time it hit a large group, it would stop. Right. The, the, it would actually the the the, the would stop for a second, then continue mm. on just the process running. Through actually, the I, have a, I have a question for the group now that you mentioned different characters because we mentioned the characters that we didn't really find interesting to play. What 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 were your favorite characters? Well, my uh, well, I don't know if I can say. Uh, some of them because I don't know if, uh, if I mean yeah, yeah keep, so keep, there, there's a certain character that I was like wow is this going to be playable oh they I, I was like they're now playable and I was like this is really cool that we're trying to play as this uh you did say you got the the monk though stealth as well yeah. right so the, yeah. I thought yeah that playing as that was pretty cool uh, I'm, I, I'm really enjoy I'm really enjoying him I, I like yeah to be able to like the grow I, any character that has the ability to it's not just strong. It's not special, strong, and light. The, the, the ZR button used in conjunction with their combos and, and rhythm at certain timing. There's also another character who their whole, that's their whole thing is like using their strong attack. And there's a, pro, there's a visual cue of when to hit the ZR button to, to do more powerful stuff. I like that a lot. So the characters mm -hmm. that had that, whereas, as like, you know, we talked about the ones I didn't like. So those, those types of characters are so the monk, the one I can, and two I can't talk about just yet. Yeah. 
uh, were definitely some of my favorites to play this. And also Impa. Oh, man. Impa was just so Impa so Impa's the best. Players. Yeah, Impa. Impa's yeah. so much fun. Uh, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll stick with the characters that Nintendo announced. Um, I really like uh, Mifa. I like her Bosa. Uh, Impa's really fun. Uh, Link is good. Those are the ones that I, that I really enjoy out of the like the core ones. Yeah. For me, it's been mostly... Two characters that I always used in like the bigger setup missions, like where you have the four characters at once, were Urbosa and Impa. Like I, I think I used them most of the time once I had them, uh, because Urbosa is very fast with her running animation. In addition, her lightning attack with the X button is incredibly powerful when it comes to bosses. Uh, when it comes to Impa, once you have all the copies going. Um, She's a force to be reckoned with, and she can recharge her special tech meter like blazingly fast, which also helps like a lot for crowd control. Yeah. And and I, I don't know if this is a, a monk exclusive thing, so so don't tell me. But like he like I, I very quickly he had three special bars, um, whereas the other characters did not have as many where where I am in the game. So it, it just comes down to upgrades. Yeah. So, but it's just it's just. For, for, I really like using him because, like, you just build it all and then you just spam the special, and you could wipe pretty much anything out. Sure. Yeah. I think one thing we haven't talked about is uh, bosses in this game, boss encounters, and how they handle it. Um, there's some similar boss encounters in this game. Uh, I'm just curious how your thoughts on how this game did bosses. Were the did you enjoy them? Um, and for ones that were similar to maybe or enemy types that are similar to the Breath of the Wild counterparts, how did you feel they nailed the the like the, the you know the feel of that 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 style of fight, or did you think it was uh, different in hmm. you know in a good or bad way? So I I think the boss they made an interesting path of it. They didn't include too many. There are some, for example, Madoga is in the game. Uh, you will fight a bunch of the the Lionels and the Talises. Uh, I think the bigger ones, I think they are fun to fight against. And especially uh, if there's a lot of them have good swift movement. So you actually have to do like a tons of flurry rushes to get them down. Um, but I think for the majority, they used more like known enemies, known quantities, and not much the, the wearer stuff down the line, which came like very pretty late in the game, to be completely honest. Uh, but I think that made those moments a lot more rewarding because you had to fight for them a little bit more. Mm. Yeah. I, I found the boss is a little repetitive because you do fight a lot of the same ones over and over again. Yeah. So the, the problem is that you are coming to the point where the bosses are going to diverge. Uh, but up to that point, yeah, it's, it's more common enemies than maybe you would have liked. I mean, it's like the Yiga clan, every, Every mission, you're fighting either you know the main the main head or the or I forget this name with the double sword. Soga. Either or. Soga, yeah. yeah, I mean, like it, you're like those are the bosses that you're fighting most of all, and it can get a little repetitive. But like the thing is, like it's fun to master them, and then beat them as quickly as possible. So it's fine. Like they're, like they're not like, um, they're not annoying to fight. But it would have been nice, at least in the early part of the game where I'm at, to have a little more diversity. Sure. Uh, going on diversity real quick, enemy diversity. 
one thing that came up from my chat a lot as I was playing through the game on stream, a lot of, I got several people in my chat calling out, not just Age of Calamity, but Breath of the Wild, since all the enemies are from Breath of the Wild, pretty much, uh, that Nintendo disguises a lack of enemy variety by uh, adding elemental versions. The, that there isn't actually a well, lot of... Those, yeah. yeah, but those that weren't really in Breath of the Wild. Most of those weren't in Breath of the Wild. They added those specifically for Age yeah. of Calamity, which yeah. evaluates the problem a little bit. I'm not going to say it's completely solved or anything, or they can quickly crack the code, friend code. Uh, but uh, honestly, it's better than it was in Breath of the Wild because it has the same issue, and at least the element of versions add some flavor to this entire thing. Yeah, I mean, this is something that's been in, like, RPGs since, like, the dawn of time, where, you know, they would have different colored varieties that did slightly different things to, you know, save on space in the game. Um, and you're, they're doing it here as well, where there's different colored enemies versus, like, different modeled enemies, I guess. Um, but they were all interesting. Like, I, I, like, I like the elemental moblins and, you know, the, 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 the wizard robes and all that. Like, I think, I think they're fun to uh, fight against. Yeah. They also help a lot with the... Because another element of the battle system are the staffs from the, the wizards. Yeah. And using those against those elementals is very helpful. So useful to get out of a tight jam sometimes. Like, yeah. freeze, everyone's frozen. Ah, you're buying me some time to recover and everything like that. Like, yeah, I think they did a pretty good job. I do think... Because it's a Muso game, the uh, if your source material doesn't have the highest and uh, the largest amount of enemy variety, it shows. Sure. And like, I think they did their best with the, yeah. as we said, the elemental stuff. But maybe think food for thought for the future is they could maybe it's time for some new types of enemies, even in Zelda. Like time time to come up with some like you know new mainstays. Where are the floor masters when you need them? Yeah, where where the yeah I I want all the mas the wall masters floor masters. Please yeah. come out and uh, and call, wreak havoc, please. Please. <sighs> there's there's two areas we haven't talked about yet. Um, I want to start mm -hmm. with the maybe the, the the more the more important one here. Sure. Game story. Yeah. Now this was touted as a prequel for mm -hmm. for Breath of the Wild, and is, I, I didn't play the demo, but I know there was like immediately after people played the demo, like people were sounding the alarm about like, wait a second. Time travel? What? 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 what is? Uh, why? Why are we time traveling in this game? Like, why? Why is this baby guardian going through a portal and going back to the past? So it's for, without. So we're not going to spoil. Like, we're not going to go into spoiler territory here. Like, obviously, stealth hasn't finished the game, but I think it's apparent even to you, stealth, at this point that this game is not to the the to Breath of the Wild. This is not the canonical prequel to can the Breath of the Wild. This is alternate. The go yeah, because obviously, or, yeah. Go ahead. Because obviously the little guardian wasn't in any of the memories from Breath of the Wild, so obviously that's just a completely new new element to this that that does like make make it feel like there's a shift in the timeline. Yes, um, there's so yeah, yeah. So you get that feeling right away because obviously if you've played Breath of the Wild, there's no tiny guardians. You know when you know the, the when when the pillars come up. You know that that's supposed to be the first time that they have in like hundred years. Um, in this game, they're they're all you know. It's just a thing that everybody knows. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's definitely some different. There's differences. Do I I I I hate and I cannot talk about this, but I will try to like cover it as much as I can. There is a scene at the end of the game that makes it very clear that this is a diversion, because uh, 
the little guardian was uh, for tens of purposes locked away, um, which creates the 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 theory that that Zelda now meets this guardian again for the first time, um, which also creates the version of in the world of ruin they never got that connection again. But in this world, because the, the little guardian went back in time, it reset the entire world. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to dance around spoilers here, I guess. Yeah. To, to, but I, I did it the best way I can. Yeah, but, yeah to turn yeah. this back around, I guess, yeah. the, what's clear and what the thoughts I want to get out of the two of you is this, whether, you know, alt, it is alternate, it is not the lead up to Breath of the Wild. Do you feel disappointed by that um, no, at all? I, here's the thing. I do think it will give us some insights of what could potentially happen with the wall too, because there are like the history or the further ex- expanded of certain characters are not fully explained in this game. Um, so it does leave the room open to maybe discuss what happened in the world of rune timeline with those specific characters. Uh, because because the worlds were set and how the world is now developed instead of the world of ruin, um, it creates a divergent path that is not unlike the Zelda timeline because they have not done this multiple times in the past. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and I obviously I haven't beaten this game yet, but just looking at the Breath of the Wild 2 trailer, it, it's still in that dark timeline where it's just Link and Zelda and everybody else is gone. Um, I, I don't know if that's going to be different here. I'm kind of getting the feeling where I am. It might be. I don't know. Um, and, you know, kind of having a, like a dark path and a good path, it's, it's fine. Um, you know, I, I don't mind that it's not telling the exact same mm. story. It creates um, opportunities later. So Yeah. Mm. And so, I mean, I'm, I, I've seen some comments online where they're like, Nintendo sold a false bill of goods that this was going to be an exact prequel. <laughs> and you know, whatever. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I mean, it's still a prequel in the sense yeah. that the characterization and the world are still from the original Breath of the Wild before yeah. it got ruined. So it's not not unlike it's completely not a prequel. It's a prequel in a different timeline. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's Star Trek 2009 essentially. Yeah. It's literally Star Trek 2009, where yeah, up to a certain point in the past, like things were the same. It's that now here's the divergent. They diverge here. And then that's fine because that, that allowed Koei Tecmo to do their thing and then Nintendo can do their thing with the sequel. And well, of course, won't. the story was still made yeah. by the Zelda team. Yeah. So they knew they, they, yeah. they, were ex- they knew exactly what they were doing with yeah. this. Uh, yeah, I, get, I think this is the, I, I'll call it the what if scenario because the, there's always a different way things could have gone. And I think they, uh, the, this is their chance to explore that because they probably saw a lot of the feedback from the original, from Breath of the Wild's original releases. Man, all these cool characters, but they're in a hundred years in the past. They died. They're not here anymore. Would have been cool to have some, you know, more time with them and experience them. They made a DLC around that, but even people are like, I wish I had more. And this is kind of it. And, yeah. but the thing is, you always knew their outcome. It's like, how much more can they really cram in there without it, like, being contradictory and now it's like here's our solution we are not you know we're not we're not uh, beholden to this anymore we can do whatever we want because we have the freedom now this is like goes back to their whole argument about why they never want to like paint themselves into a corner with the old timeline with the original zelda timeline is that we don't want to reveal too much because then fans will hold us to this 
this was another example of yeah. we, we have to come up with a way so that you don't know what happens. Yeah. Ocarina of Time created so many divergence in such a small amount of time because when they revealed the original timeline, you had the 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 path of the young hero, the path of the the, the adult hero, and that link got defeated. Um, here it's just straight up. There's a good path and there's a bad path, and because this time divergent now has two different paths, um, that creates opportunities for later or recalls and maybe even Breath of the Wild too. Well. Well, well, yeah, the one thing will be interesting to see, I mean, I'm almost 99.9% that the sequel to Breath of the Wild is the sequel to Switch Breath of the Wild, not Age of Calamity. I think there's yeah. things that make it very apparent. I, I, the, yeah. These days, I, I prefer to call it the good timeline and the ruined world. <laughs> oh, I, I call it the happy and the sad timelines now. The world of ruin like still has some questions now left unanswered and that's maybe where the disappointment comes from Um, but it also creates um, because of the time divergence we got to see maybe characters that weren't maybe were there in the background but simply weren't there because of the outcome that this specific world has so there is a possibility that some of the choices made in the world of rune timeline also affect how well two plays out and if we see some characters that weren't in that specific timeline or events yeah i will, I will say two things about this because i don't want to dwell too much on on timeline stuff one is i i there's a tendency for writers to love to have things come back and bite you in the ass so for those of you who aren't familiar with the marvel cinematic universe and avengers endgame how they resolved that whole situation the how they undid the thanos snap it's right. very clear that there will be potentially consequences to that, uh, the, the multiverse. In fact, there's a movie called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and a lot of the information coming out uh, indicates that even though they did all this crazy stuff to try and undo what Thanos did, co- on a cosmic level, there are consequences for messing with time, with messing with realities. And once you, you think you get a happy ending, down the line, there might be unintended consequences. So I'd be very interested to see, even though it might not be in the sequel to Breath of the Wild, if they ever tried to revisit more games in the happy timeline, if there are unintended consequences. I love seeing that stuff where it's like, what is the price yeah. you're really paying for getting stuff a different way? Like there's because always of course, a cost. Yeah. Because what we need to realize is that, that because there will not be uh, a certain point where everything gets reset then and hundred years later. So what happens then? And that will be the most interesting part to see. Like if they, I honestly think because the Zelda team is way more aware than we think because they like to do recalls and references to other parts of the Zelda world. It will likely will see a reference to this again at some point. I'm not sure if it will be as soon as Breath of the Wild 2. It could be, um, but that is a question that remains to be seen. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. The second thing I wanted to say kind of related to that is I'm leaning more towards I'm disappointed that we're going back to timelines so soon. To me, Breath of the Wild felt like it could have been a a fresh break from all the previous kind of chaos of the Zelda timelines. Obviously, there's still discussion about it being like at the end of all the timelines, blah, 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 that stuff. But in truth, it's pretty much independent from the other games. Obviously, it has nods and Easter eggs, but there's nothing yeah. tangible. There's nothing super concrete that says 
this game is beholden to all the previous lore. It, it was basically we could start fresh and create craft a whole new mythology and lore for Breath for the Zelda series yeah. and not have to deal with this crap anymore. And I look at it and we're going like part of me says, "Wow, we're jumping right ahead to split timelines again." I was like, "Okay, I get." But then maybe it's like you know what. Maybe they're using the knowledge, the foresight they, or the, the, sorry, the knowledge they have, the lessons they learn. It's like, what do they ultimately have to do to make everything make sense? Multiple timelines. The, to me, the the link dies timeline was a cop out. Like there was, there, there was, it was such a chaos that yeah, like, they need to kind of come up. I think they're just future proofing it. They're just saying we now have an out. If we ever come up with a game idea that's really cool, but oh no, it doesn't follow this stuff. Throw it in the other one. We already, we like, they've already crafted a thing now where they're like. We have two ways to go. We don't have to worry about... It's, it's also funny that, that the happiest Zelda games, including the Wind Waker, all fall under the Link Dice timeline. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think it's just, they're just future-proofing, and now they have, like, hey, we, 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 we got out of the way. It's established. There's two timelines. We yeah. can put it whenever one makes sense, and we don't... I, I will be fu- it would be yeah. fun now if the follow-up to Age of Calamity is now a complete 180, similar to, <laughs> to Wind Waker was. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh i just yeah but i mean there's such a significant part of me says like i really wish we could have avoided this for a while or i I I totally get it i can see the other argument absolutely i mean and honestly i mean you know this is like a side game even though it is like part of the it's a side game um and you know based on the breath of the wild trailer i think they are going with a direct sequel to breath of the wild um and not this yeah they have said that it's a canon game now, so we now now know yeah. there are a split timeline, which for some is disappointing. I completely understand that. Like I'm not going, even going to deny in the mess they found themselves in. Uh, but it's too early to to know now how that will play out. In my humble book, yeah, my I I'm, I I I will be cautiously optimistic. Yeah. One thing, the, the my deepest fear, and I, uh, as long as this doesn't come true, I think whatever they do will mostly be okay in my book. I don't want this to be opening a can of worms where they, in the some point in the future, they can use time travel to go back to the older games. And like, I don't want them to connect Breath of the Wild or any future games in the Breath of the Wild like lore mythology, whatever comes to the direct sequels. I don't want them to be connected back to the older games. Uh, I, I think that's that, fair. I think that uh, it will just ruin some of the yeah. because even the backstory to Breath of the Wild feels like something very unique, very different. It's like establishing its own origin essentially. Uh, yes, you can loosely say, "Oh, it comes after all the other stuff," but that's the beauty. It, it's like it's after all this. This is it's basically a reset, a soft reset. Let's go. Uh, it, to try and wade back into that muck again, I, I just don't want them to do that. Uh, that would be supremely disappointing if they go back in that direction. But not, I don't get the indication they want to mess with that, honestly. I think they, yeah. they, they're going to – Fujibayashi, I think, for all the, the criticism and praise that that man gets for story writing in the, in the Zelda series, I think they know what they have and they're going to be a little bit more smart about yeah. it. I, I, I feel kind of sad that I can not talk about it further because I have so many thoughts about the things that happened at the end of that game. Um, but it's it's better to leave it be until people experience it for, for themselves because honestly, oh, yeah. it, it the, the way that I create that diversion is interesting. 
um, and it doesn't explain everything in Breath of the Wild still. So there's still a bunch of unanswered questions. Um, but I think that's a positive. It leaves room open. For sure. Uh, the last thing I had on my list here, uh, a little bit maybe less <laughs> intense, but maybe it's intense for you. Uh, the soundtrack, the music in this game. How'd so you, good. How'd you, yeah. Oh, there so you go. Good. So good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. So good. Um, best, best warrior soundtrack. Don't at me. <laughs> it's yeah. The remix, the, the re- new arrangements they do for some of the songs are really good. Uh, there is a song that plays on the world map music in title screen. Once you complete <sighs> the game. Yes, it, it might. It's a completely new original song, uh, a melody, and I think it might have shot into like one of my, my one of my favorite Zelda songs. Like in terms of like soothing, tranquil music, it's like it's like for me, it's like Kakariko, and the ending, uh, the uh, ending credit scene to A Link to the Past. Not the not the ending where you're seeing all the characters, what happened to them, but like the sure. scroll part. It's actually yes. the title screen music for Four Swords Adventures as well uh those are two of my favorite like soft zelda tracks Mm. this i think i still have this song in my head for like two days after i heard it it was just like going off my hat head it's just like it has so much emotion behind it and i really want to see them go back to it again like that's why i was like we're talking about timeline stuff and like this if they wanted to this could be a what if game and they never come back to it even though it's technically canon they just never revisit this timeline and lore it's just like something you need to do to make this like the spin-off game but i really hope this song comes back because i feel like it's so much potential i was like this is such a good song oh i really love this i mean they they kept the soundtrack in Breath of the Wild, it, it was massive, but they kept it thin in places. Like mm-hmm. only songs popped up once in a while. Here it feels like a like every every single main mission has a new track behind it. Like every cutscene has a new piece of music or a remix. Um, like everything just fits together in such a nice, clean package. I'm surprised that they haven't made or didn't do a special edition with like a soundtrack selection. I'm super surprised because that's something that Nintendo likes to do. I'm surprised that they haven't, even might, in Japan. It might be in the. It might take some time because remember how long it took. A uh, like the Twilight Princess HD soundtrack came out like how many like like two years after that game came out originally. That's true, but, um, but- to bring back the examples of the previous Nintendo Warriors games. Those special editions came with the soundtrack. Yeah, the treasure box for this one was a little disappointing in Japan, in my opinion. Yeah, compared like, to the previous ones, the the one for Fire Emblem Warriors came with the four four C- CD disc soundtrack. Dang. Yeah, it would have been nice to have this as a like a bonus thing. Even uh, yeah, I, I prefer having a beginning, but maybe the one like wait so long because uh, Link's Awakening got the soundtrack pretty soon after the release of the game. Uh, the sure. 2019 Switch game, so maybe they'll jump on this sooner, but dang, I, I really want the soundtrack to come out, but also you made a great point, Don, that uh, for anyone who might have been a little disappointed with the way Nintendo handled music in the main in the main game, Breath of the Wild, the more minimalistic approach, even though there is an amazing soundtrack for that game, sure, yeah. it just doesn't always play, this is the opposite. This is, the music is ramping up and playing when you expect it to happen. It's in your face, so it's kind of nice to see some of those tracks get some of the, you know, more screen time, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. totally. 
Um, I have some patron questions here. Uh, if you want to move on to those, unless uh, they might cover some of the stuff we might not have talked about that you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one comes from Dylan. Age of Calamity's cutscenes are amazing. The rich character design of Breath of the Wild is able to breathe again thanks to these exciting, intriguing cinematics, which often lead you right into the fast-paced gameplay. What do you think of them so far, and how can Nintendo utilize cutscenes further in this style? I think they didn't go far enough with cutscenes in Breath of the Wild, and it felt the story felt disjointed in places with the way they set up the memories. Um, I think, especially with the Champions Ballad, they came a little bit more on its own with how they presented the champions, but it still didn't feel like far enough because the entire Champions Ballad had like eight cutscenes in total. Uh, here they went full on like every single main mission, the beginning and end has a cutscene, which feels like there is an actual story taking place actively where in Breath of the Wild, it felt more like a sideline. Um, they feel, they feel equally quality wise. That's for sure. But I feel that there is more substance and characterization in the Age of Calamity cutscenes. Yeah, I mean, the map is so big in Breath of the Wild, you might not see half of the memories. Um, so, like, the, like kind of the cutscenes felt optional in Breath of the Wild, whereas here, they're mandatory, you know, and you feel like there's a big story going on. Now, uh, the obvious thing here to point out for everyone is that Breath of the Wild is, as you said, a massive game, open world game, and tackling story and narrative in open world game where you want to give as much freedom as possible is a tall order and yeah. this was new to the zelda team so i've always maintained the position that they focus on what was most important in breath of the wild uh, and getting that stuff right yeah but there are other games you can mention in that sense like there are monolith games or other games that have done this way longer are under the nintendo umbrella and even monolith had a helping role in creating breath of the wild they know how to do a structured story within an, with open areas. Um, you're you're so, absolutely right, yes. <laughs> so I don't think that necessarily is an excuse. They still have the pedigree in their line of studios that know how to make such a thing. Now, yeah, I, 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 do, I do agree that there were other places they could have looked. And to be maybe a little bit fair, uh, Monolithsoft was also, work, was also at the time back then and even now with SQL is working on multiple projects. So it's not like the full yeah. force of Monolith is behind them. Obviously, if like Monolithsoft was like maybe the lead on this, that would be like, there'd be no excuse because they have proven they know how to do yeah. both. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like uh, more recent examples, like uh, for me, Ghost of Tsushima. Um, I absolutely love how they handle the way you can advance story in that game. It's a massive open world game. Yeah. Massive map. And it's like both critical path in both side quests and the narrative richness you get through sure. pursuing side quests. I really hope that team looks at that game and other games and sees there is a much better way to handle this. And I think they don't get a pass on the sequel. Like whenever the sequel like, comes out, it needs to, they need right. to have their stuff together on that. And end. There, there's also the way of thinking is, they had structure at the beginning of that story in Breath of the Wild. Like, everything up to Kakariko that like, completely lays out where you need to go. Like, if they did with the memories and, like, the Divine Beasts and made that a little bit more structured, maybe they could have told a more complete story. But that was their choice. They went for an open-world design, and people would have to pick up the piece and pieces as they went along. Was it ideal? I honestly don't think so. Here's the thing. Breath of the Wild, the biggest dungeon in that game was that open world. They tried to cram everything in that open world and like to make it work. 
um, which is very, it, it's very strong on them, and they made a good decision overall. I just think in the story department, it loses a little bit of focus. All right, um, I have a. Uh, let's go with a. Uh, let's go with one more patron question here. Uh, or uh, from Sam, what kind of DLC do you want for this game? I think there will be one DLC pack with four characters that already have rocking animations in this video game. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a pack where they add a few new characters, probably some new challenges. I, I think a challenge pack is probably a safe bet. Right. Um, they, they might add some new items or some new weapons, but um, I don't. I don't think they're going to have like an expansion where there's like a like a big story update or anything like that. Right. They, they can't. The they can't do the same like they did with the original Hyrule Warriors or with Fire Emblem Warriors, for example, where it was much more of a crossover game, which left room open to do whatever they wanted. This is far more structured a story than anything that Nintendo has done in this space for a number of years. Um, and we would at least assume that the characters that have like a running animation or at least pretend to attack, for example, Robbie in multiple times through the game pretends to attack, but really doesn't. He doesn't do any damage. You can see the health bar not decreasing, but he tries to attack enemies. Like characters like that, they will likely be added in a singular DLC pack down the line. I agree. I, I think it was pretty clear you could tell what characters, even in the game, what's unlocked in the current game, you could tell when you encounter them, like that's probably going to be a playable character. So the ones that maybe didn't turn out that way, I think it's pretty clear that they have intent to make those characters playable at some point. And I think, yeah, I think it'll be a one-shot DLC uh, with yep. a character pack. And I don't think there's very much else to go in the story other than maybe some of those characters, like what were they doing at certain points in this is like the best you could get. But there really isn't much wiggle room with the like a narrative here i, I think it's and yeah and maybe like 10 additional challenges like depending on where you are in well, the yeah. game maybe some some end game ones and mm. i think they could do something like that but because of the way that this this map is set up they also need to give of course the character unlocks per character uh so that will also be including like a bunch of points on the map for each of these characters plus a few challenges to help them unlock the new abilities of each character sure yeah well, we will see. Uh, maybe the Game Awards will announce that. We'll uh, coming up pretty soon. <laughs> maybe we'll get that announcement. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I think that is gonna gonna do it for this episode. Uh, thank you both of you for for joining me and talking about Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity. Uh, I want to thank everyone who submitted questions for consideration for this episode of Friend Code. If you'd like to submit questions for consideration, I need to be a five dollar and up patron. Uh, the week we're recording, I'll make a post. Uh, calling for your submissions and as usual I'll try and work in what I can within our time limit so thank you everyone for that also we have uh, our shout outs for the month of November uh, so thank you very much and shout out to Elthanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, Caleb Togi Crawford and Nick shout out thank you so much uh, yeah uh, for, to wrap it up here uh, just to give you both a shout out uh, for those viewers and listeners right now, where can they uh, follow you and catch more of your work? And if you want to tease anything you might be working on right sure. now. Uh, you can find me at Nintendo's N-E-N-T-N-D-A-A-N. Uh, I have not much going on at the moment. The only games I'm technically playing for review are Poyo Poyo Tetris 2, um, which is good. 
<laughs> and there's one other thing that I'm playing which I cannot talk about yet, I think. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Stealth40K, and other than that, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing too much. All right. Well, thank you both of you for taking time uh, out of your days to join me on this. Thank you again, everyone. And until next time, may the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Thank <laughs> you.